Greetings and salutations, nerds. You're listening to Praying for Superpowers, a podcast about the deeper meanings, intricacies, and messages hidden within nerd culture. I'm Peter Jordahl. And I'm Trevor Sharon, and today we are talking about the death of Superman. Holy Batman, Batman! Okay, to premise this episode, we are not talking about the comic book, The Death of Superman. I Hopefully that got you in. Just call it clickbait. Yeah. Uh, great comic book. It's awesome. We've discussed it before uh, in this show, so obviously we love it. But uh, what we're actually talking about today, I, uh, I ran into a, uh, a professor at a gas station whose car was completely covered in Marvel, co- or in, uh, in, yeah, in Marvel Comics. Uh, that he'd hand painted. So he had, I mean, literally covered. It was like someone took pages from comic books and like peeled the images off them on his car. It was awesome. Uh, And what he said to me was, it's interesting to me how we have moved away from our heroes and are starting to fall in love with our villains. So he's a teacher and he's had students who come in wearing the Joker's face on their shirt or Harlequin uh, or the bad guys more yep. often than the heroes. Yep. And even, and this is different than just falling in love with anti-heroes, which we've seen with Wolverine, before. Wolverine, the Punisher, Dead, uh, Deadpool is mm-hmm. an anti-hero. Um, I pulled off a few things that I thought were really interesting. Uh, so Superman was created in 1938 and his original suit colors were bright red and bright blue. In uh, Batman versus Superman, which came out in 2016, his colors were dark, dark blue Navy and maroon. No gold, right? And he had sported the yellow and gold for a while as well. Yeah, and so it's a much darker palette for color. We see the same thing with Batman. He started off with gray and bright blue, and uh, Adam West was Batman. Right, and it was the, the the Batman logo was a yellow oval with the black bat in the middle, and then we saw we got to the Dark Knight series. Uh, right. And Christian Bale was yep. full black, disappeared to the night like a ninja. Yeah. And uh, and so we can see a little bit of maybe the DC universe trying to play off of the success of the gray, darker colors of the Dark Knight series and trying to pull that into their um, Superman movies. But we also see it in the Marvel comics and we've seen it in the DC and the Marvel uh, universe where. Captain America started off super bright red and white and blue, the American colors, very patriotic, um, and a very bright, happy demeanor. And as we've progressed through the films up until Infinity War, Captain America has gotten darker and darker to the point... Uh, In Infinity War, he's wearing all black. Yeah. Yeah. We also see, you know, Wolverine. He started off as brown and bright yellow. <laughs> right. With blue stripes. Very bright costume. And even though he was a darker character, really fits better into the anti-hero concept. Uh, we've seen him change to just a tank and jeans and smoking cigars and saying the only F-bomb in the MCU. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that we see this happening visually i don't think that it's just a color choice and and like we want them to be cooler maybe that's some of it uh but i think what's really happening is that we are maybe decreasing the pedestal for what our heroes should be yeah Uh, especially with um our culture today is all up in the hashtag me too 
phenomenon mm -hmm. where we are learning that some of our heroes we uh, won't mention yeah we won't we won't get into too much there but some of our heroes that we looked up to as kids have fallen so far have fallen so far and there's this interesting concept too that i had when i was thinking about this idea and i want to hear what you think about this yeah Peter, that maybe we're falling in love with the villains because at least they're willing to be honest with us yeah you, you mentioned that before we started recording and i love it um i just i i think it's true um we see a lot of a lot of heroes like starting to fall yeah in comic books, um, Captain America, can, you know, there was a comic book where he says, hail Hydra, like he's been a Hydra agent the whole time. Right. You know, we see Superman kills Zod, you know, he doesn't kill, Superman doesn't kill people. That's his right. thing. Batman doesn't use guns. And then, and then he starts using a gun. And then he starts using a gun. Right. And so it's, we see them like, we see, we watch them fall from their pedestals and it just bothers us so much. Yeah. And then we, we, we look at the Suicide Squad and we're like, well, I know Will Smith's a dirtbag as Deadshot. Or, uh, is it Deadshot? Yeah. Yeah, like, he's a he's a hitman. The most expensive hitman in the world. Right. Very skilled with guns. He kills people. That's his thing. And so my expectations are really low. And so when, when he turns he, out to be a really good dad. Right. When he loves his kid, all of a sudden, it's a big shift. Yeah. And yeah. I think... From my perspective, I think this is a good thing because I don't think that any human being belongs on a pedestal. Mm, yes. Because we're all human. We all have flaws. Even the most, um, the best person you know in your life has internal struggles. We talked uh, last week about Iron Man's PTSD. Yeah. We all have struggles. We're all human. We're not, um, nobody is exempt from the human experience of brokenness and, and just our fallenness. And so when we put them up on a pedestal, we're setting them up for, for failure uh, because nobody can live up to that. Uh, we can't live up to any of the pedestals that we might get up on. I don't think anybody's doing that with us right, right now. Yeah. But <laughs> if they were, uh, we are inevitably going to do something that disappoints the people who've put us on a pedestal. Yeah. And by having a more realistic view, and I think this is another thing that we do in our lives a lot, is we seem to pendulum. So we go from a place where we've got everybody on a pedestal and our heroes are amazing. And then instead of going to a place where we can be more realistic and recognize that we now, Tony Stark is a human. We now look at our villains as, instead of seeing them as villains, we see them as, well, at least he has some good morals. Right. And so we, we, ra we raise them up on a pedestal. And we also say, you know what? Captain America doesn't belong on a pedestal because he's Hydra and he betrayed me. Right. Yeah. And it, it, I think we do this in comic books. We see it happen in comic books. I recently uh, saw got a book at a uh, sale that we had for kids, and it's called The Joker's Apprentice. And it's all about this boy who really falls in love with the Joker, and Batman and Robin try to rescue him and show him that everything the Joker is teaching him to do is is wrong and bad, and he shouldn't steal and all this stuff, and the Joker's doing this. But throughout the book... If you don't read the text, it looks like Batman's the bad guy because the Joker is this clown and he's dressed really brightly and everybody's smiling and Joe and, and Batman and Robin have these scowls on and they're really dark uh, visually and they have this very authoritarian uh, depiction 
where they're telling you, no, you can't do that. And we're going to stop the person who's having fun. And so it's really interesting to kind of see that dynamic as well. That might be how kids see it. Right. Yeah. They, they see, you know, the, I mean, we, we were all kids. It was often fun to do the wrong thing when you knew it was wrong. There's a, there's a certain like evil thrill you get, you know, like when your dog does something that your dog knows it shouldn't do and you catch it in the act and it just like, it just books it away from you. My dog stole a Chick-fil-A sandwich off my plate one day, Ugh. looking at my face, <laughs> looking at me that she grabbed it. She booked it and just chowed on it while she was running, knew she had done the bad thing, but it was worth it. <laughs> and I think that's, that's kind of where we arrived. Like it's worth it. Like we're, yeah. we, we feel like, we're like, Oh man, I would, love to be in harlequin's position and you know i mean i guess it's harley quinn harlequin is yeah either one should work um you know where she's got this psychotic boyfriend and right she's just stealing cars she's free to do whatever she wants yeah free spirit in an intense way yeah um and kind of bringing it back around to the title character superman uh he's you know in in the most recent um movie the justice league movie they spoiler you haven't seen it? Sorry. This Which is you're spoiler. probably in the majority. You're probably, yeah. Really. I saw, I liked it. I haven't seen it yet. I, we've discussed before, I like DC. Movies aren't great as long as I'm entertained and it's not bad <laughs> or I'm fine. Low threshold. Low threshold. Yeah. Um, they bring him, they bring Superman back from the dead. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, they, that's like a trope in all right. superhero comics. And when he comes back, he's so angry. And he just wants to kill Batman. Like, he almost kills Batman. And, like, in in the comics, originally, he would never get there. Right. More so now, he gets closer. He's like, I will mess you up. Yep. Like, he's... And then, and even in some of the more recent animated movies, um, one of them, Batman, is like, the forming of the Justice League, Batman is like, no, we don't need to fight him. Don't worry about it. And Green Lantern's like, what? He's like, well, he won't break his one rule will you Clark? And like Superman like stops like right in front of him. And he's like, huh, Bruce Wayne. That's interesting. And like, so we see that Batman knows Superman won't kill anyone. Superman knows that Bruce Wayne is a good person. Yeah. Right. And so we see that camaraderie. And then in, in the live action DC universe, we don't see that. Right. We see a Superman who kills Zod and he's grieves for it, but then he wakes up ready to kill again. Right. And I think a big issue with that is the fact that uh, I think part of it has to do with Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just has an angry face. He has a very yeah. Superman yeah. face. He's got the right jawline. Oh, yeah. I loved him in uh, The Men From Uncle. Uh, great. I thought it was a hilarious movie. He makes a good Superman. He makes a good Superman, except that his face is angry. In general, I think. I, yeah. I think he's got, just, a, he's he looks, got a resting B face. Right, RBF. High, like a nine. Yeah. Where Batman should have an RBF of ten, and Superman should have like a five. Yeah, he's the Boy Scout. Yeah, the Boy space. Scout in blue from space. That's the that's the name. Yeah, and I think it is interesting to see that, you know, when these comic books came out, so when Superman came out in 1938, this is around World War II, we're in the midst of this time where we need somebody outside of our world to fix what's going on because mm. there's this despair that we've gotten to a point where we can't fix it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so this need to depend on somebody else to fix it for us. And as, and I think our society has kind of taken that. We've fallen, uh, we, we've 
give all the power to the government or to these leaders in our lives. We depend on them because we think they're going to keep us safe. And then we end up putting them on a pedestal. Right. And when they inevitably are unable to meet all of our needs that we are giving to them, uh, we start to see them in a different light. And, you know, I, I, I think that bitterness is really just disappointment that's been left to fester. Mm. And so when we are disappointed by, okay, Superman, why didn't you do it the way I wanted you to? We feel this disappointment. We have this complaint and it turns into bitterness and, what bitterness does is it gets in front of us and we see the world differently because of it. And so we see Superman, he may still be wearing the bright colors, but in our minds, he's dark and he's this glow, glow, uh, glowering, 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 glowering. Uh, figure uh, because of course he is because of my experience with him. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I hadn't even begin. Uh, I hadn't even started to think about my experiences with these heroes uh, and in, and in our, like in our real modern world today, there's so much news coming at us every day. Mm -hmm. We have so much input from all these social media, uh, different sites, things from everywhere from Twitter and Instagram, and Snapchat, um, all of it gives you some sort of information every day. Yeah. Uh, whether that's from a news source or a friend, you get something constantly, yep. you're constantly bombarded. And I don't want to get too political. Um, but just thinking about Trump and how we've seen to kind of put someone who has morals that I would I would wager almost everyone would see as questionable morals in their brother. If you see your brother or your father or your son exhibiting these, you'd question that. Um, but because he's the president, you've kind of placed him on a pedestal that you're allowing the negative because he's up on the pedestal. And so I think not, we don't we don't just see the dethroning of Superman being brought down from his pedestal as someone who has killed someone. We see the the opposite where we're like you know he should have killed him. Right. It you was it was way better that he killed Zod. You know, and a lot of people will argue like Batman should just kill the Joker. Yeah. What? Like and it's like well is the blood of everyone the Joker has killed since Batman's first arrest of him on Batman's hands for yeah. not taking that action. And you know, that's, that's a real argument. You could totally. argue that. And we've argued about that with like the death penalty for decades and decades and decades as a, yeah. as America. And I think that I really like what you said of this kind of taking the side of a hero just because we can't stand to take them off the pedestal. Mm -hmm. We've we've built them up so much and we've put so much effort into believing in Superman or Captain America that as soon as Captain America says, hail Hydra, we're like, yeah, Hydra's not that bad. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, they, they, they stand for order. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, that's so dangerous. And if you look at like the Milgram experiment, um, which is a psychological experiment where uh, they were testing authority. They had a person the, in a room. prison experiment? No, that's the uh, Stanford prison, Stanford experience. prison right. experience. So this one is they had one actor in a room uh, and had a psychologist and then the actual um, test subject come in. The test subject was told to press a button to increase electrical pulses into the person in the room, and they kept going. And what they found was people would go way past the point they were comfortable with. So they, the guy in the room would complain about having a heart problem. 
and feeling his heart acting funny every time he was shocked electrically, the psychologist would say, we need to shock him again because otherwise everything we've done is invalid and the experiment is ruined. And um, and the guy in the other room is like, one way glass can't can't tell who's who's doing it to him right uh opposite direct well they couldn't even see the person in the other room they just heard it oh, um and okay. so this there are a lot of ethical questions that come up with this experiment but it was really useful information because what we found was if an authority figure tells you to do something that you think is morally wrong you're more likely than you want to believe to do it uh and we've we've seen this all throughout our culture where if an authority figure tells us to do something, even if we question it, even if we think it's morally incorrect, we do have this tendency to believe and to obey rather than to stand up to an authority figure and say, no, that's, that's wrong. I need to stop. And so people would shock this guy in the room to the point where the guy in the room stopped responding after complaining about his heart feeling funny. And it was, frightening to see how long after that point they continued to shock him and increase the electrical charge uh, and get up in voltage. And so were they actually shocking him? They weren't. Okay. So (laughs) he was acting. He was acting. Like he was being shocked. But the person who was causing the electric shock to go through um, was an actual test subject. And genuinely believed that they were causing electrical pulses to go into this person. Just so you don't think that this is like a torture. No, no. This was a real well-done study. And like I said, ethically questionable that it would never hold up in today's society. No, what, 50 years old? Yeah, it would never be allowed to happen today. No, no, no. But tells us a lot that we do have this tendency to take the side of authority, even if we think it's morally wrong. Yeah. Um, It's a scapegoat. Yeah. So um, I had to. They told me that the experiment would not count if I did, if I stopped. Right. I was just following orders. Yeah. That that line is said by so many characters in oh, movies yeah. and comic books. I was just it was them. I was just following orders. It was them. Uh, I was like, I have been at the mercy of men just following orders before. Yeah. You know, and it's I think that's from an X-Men movie. I'm not I think sure. so. Um, but. I think like that is that's kind of where we're going yeah. with with these Marvel movies. Not that we see any of them as authority figures, but like uh you know, I uh this is a this is a story from when Harry Potter was at its height. The movies were still being filmed. Daniel Radcliffe is on a kind of on a um pedestal, literally, mm-hmm. on a stage, uh, and there's thousands of fans. And he's being interviewed and he's like, it was crazy. They were chanting my name. They weren't chanting Harry. They were chanting Daniel. Like they were chanting my name. I could have said, we march on the palace and these people would have followed me. Right. And so like, like, yeah, like I doubt it. England loves their monarchy ridiculously, (laughs) but it is, it is humorous and kind of scary to consider when an authority figure gives you an order mob mentality. Yep kicks in when you have that scapegoat you know it was just crazy everything was happening i just i didn't want to get attacked so i joined in you know and that's that's kind of what happens i want to bring the circle around just a little bit because i just thought about this so 1938 superman shows up in comic books also the time that we have hitler leading a whole regime against a group of people uh causing mass destruction and 
a war to be remembered for the rest of history. Um, and now we've come to this point where we're, we're questioning the hero that stood up and nerd him to that evil mm, yeah. uh, and Captain America, who was literally punching Hitler. <laughs> that was his that origin. That was his trope. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, and, he, and they do that in the movie where he punches, you know, how many times? Oh, yeah, I've punched that guy out like a hundred times. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting to see how um, just the way that we've thought about Captain America differently lately. Um, especially with the Hydra thing and Hydra representing the Nazi regime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were. Yeah, right. And so, well, (laughs) yeah, they were the parent company of the Nazi regime. Um, But really interesting to see how this paradigm of paragon of virtue Mm -hmm. is now one of them. Mm. And sure, they explained it away and it was, you know, big media stunt and it was really you know, did a lot for Marvel, but really interesting to see that, that shift where that is now something that we're willing to even play with. Yeah. Uh, I, the fact that, that, that we, we mess with it and that, I mean, I, I, I like happy things generally. Mm-hmm. I don't get into horror movies. I don't get into thrillers. I don't get into scary things because real life is scary enough. I get bills. I have a nine month old. (laughs) I have a 10 month old. Uh, You know, I have work. I don't need more stress. Um, So like the Netflix Defenders series, right? Jessica Jones, uh, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and Luke Cage are, uh, they're dark Mm -hmm. heroes. Mm -hmm. They're anti-heroes, some more than others. Uh, And it's kind of like we we focus on them in a way that we don't focus on the Marvel cinematic universe Mm. or the rest of the DC universe Mm -hmm. um, because they're so real. They're these humans. And so it's even easier to put them on a pedestal because we see the human side of everything. Oh man, I'm so much like that character in this way where you can't really compare yourself to Iron Man or the Hulk, (laughs) but you can compare yourself to the defenders. Right. And then you, you can like kind of look and be like, Oh yeah. Like you can start raising them up just like you can with the Joker and the Suicide Squad. And the Joker's a little harder because he's insane. But like Lex right. Lex Luthor right. is literally just the embodiment of the American dream as a supervillain. Mm-hmm. He is a capitalist to the fullest extent of that word. Yep. An opportunist. Yeah. He builds this empire and <laughs> Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This we're getting more political than I wanted. Um but yeah, he does. He he's he's literally he builds this empire. He collects as much kryptonite as he can because he knows Superman will try and stop him. But Lex Luthor doesn't really think he's doing anything wrong originally in the comics. He's a bad guy who's just a businessman. Yeah. He grows into more of a supervillain where he's actively trying to kill heroes after he's been thwarted enough. Mm-hmm. But when he starts out, he's just trying to get as much money as he can as fast as he can. Right. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting to see um, a pursuit that we have, something we see as good, turned into a villain. And I'm sure we'll do a whole episode episode on just villains and yeah. why why do we like villains so much? And why is it that it somehow, if Batman didn't have the Joker, Batman wouldn't be as dark, great of a character. Or as great of a character. Because you know? I, I feel like there's a part of that dynamic where the Joker makes Batman better and Batman makes the Joker really entertaining to interact with. 
Yeah. Also, uh, I just love like thinking about that he's a bat and he's a clown. Like it's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. And like Superman literally looks like he's wearing underwear in the original comics. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just funny. And like Wonder Woman was wearing a dress. <laughs> like like you go back to these old old art versus new art and like the newer it gets, the more realistic it gets. And yeah. I think that plays a role. Yeah. The characters are more and more real. Yeah. Interesting to me. And uh here shouting out to you, Mark Hamill. Uh happy birthday, like, you know, two months ago. But yeah. Happy birthday. Uh and then lastly, just a shout out to our sponsor, Petri's Family Games. Uh, one of my favorite board games is DC Deck Building Game. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's guess it's a deck building game, not a board game. But uh, if you're in Colorado Springs, you can probably pick up a copy. You can pick up any copy of any game there. Oh, yeah. He'll oh, order yeah. it in for you. Uh, we love them. So you should check them out sometime. Give them some support. Give us some support. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'll make sure that there's no way for you to miss our content. And uh, join us on our website, prayingforsuperpowers.com. We both have our corners. We try to post stuff there every once in a while. And uh, look out for that no clip mode. Mm-hmm. You'll see it. Check you out later. Thank you.